catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Say goodbye to the food police and hello to peace. Welcome to the Love Food Podcast, hosted by dietitian and food behavior expert, Julie Duffy Dillon. This authentically engineered series is in the form of a love letter, welcoming you to reconnect with food. Now pour a cup of coffee or a margarita and let's begin. And welcome to episode 192 of a Love Food Podcast. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, registered dietitian and partner on your food peace journey. I am so glad you're here. Thank you for connecting today. And if you are new to intuitive eating, you may be wondering how do you have more control in the process? How do you move away from binging or emotionally eating or eating past a certain level. And it's just so hard when you're moving away from dieting into intuitive eating to get to that. So I hope that today's episode helps you to connect with some tools because even having that way of phrasing it, I want more control with food. Well, that tells me that we need to do some work. If you're new to the Love Food Podcast, welcome. I am so glad you're here. This is a podcast where you, the listener, writes down all your complicated relationship issues with food. And the way we do that is by writing writing a letter, (laughs) writing a letter, that's funny, writing a letter to food. Yes, writing a letter to food and outlining all of the issues. And it may go back really far. This letter that we have today to read in just a second is from someone who has been dieting um, since really elementary school, maybe even earlier, because their parents decided that they needed to diet. It was a dieting household. I know for many people, they can relate to always just knowing diets. That's just what their household did. So I look forward to exploring this letter and maybe finding some options for you to better connect to intuitive eating. Before we get to this episode's letter, a word from our sponsor. This episode of the Love Food Podcast is brought to you by my PCOS and Food Peace course. If you have polycystic ovarian syndrome, also referred to as PCOS, you have been told you have to diet in order to manage your condition. I know you have. And here's the thing. We know through weight science, which I explore a lot in this letter, we know through the evidence, the weight science evidence, that diets don't work for most people. So why are they going to work for PCOS? They don't. They don't. And there is another way. 
whether you have PCOS or not, you don't have to diet in order to manage your health and help you to like live a long and vital life. No, you don't have to diet. And I have some tools that I've developed over the years as I've been working with people with PCOS that I put into a course so you can get access to it too. So check out all the details at PCOSandfoodpeace.com. So a peek behind the scenes of the Love Food Podcast is I am trying to find an agent to write a book. I've been wanting to write a book for a long, long time, and I've just been looking for agents. And one thing that I have gotten as feedback is that in order to have an agent sign me on to help me publish a book, I need to have more ratings and reviews for my Love Food podcast. And, you know, I kind of felt defeated with that because I feel like wow, we already have 500 reviews. I mean, that's so amazing. And I really am grateful for that. But then my friend, Jennifer McGurk, who's the host of the Pursuing Private Practice podcast, I told her about this and she's like, why are you sweating this? Just ask your audience. They would give you a rating review. It's really easy. And she's right. It is really easy. So if you haven't left a rating review, I would love it if you could. And I really want to try and get to a thousand rating and reviews. Yes, that's what the agents have said that they would like to see in order to get a book deal. So the way you can do it is if you pull up your podcasting app right now, especially in Apple iTunes or Apple Podcasts rather, if you push it up, you can see my show notes and there's a hyperlink after like the first or second line that says, click here to leave a rating or review, just click on that and it'll take you right to it. And I appreciate in advance. It takes like maybe three seconds if you just leave how many stars you want to leave me, which I'd love it if you could leave five stars, but whatever you want to put, it's fine with me. But if you leave actual like a review and you write something in that takes a little bit longer, maybe 10 to 30 seconds, but doing any of these things really, really helps the show grow, which I am always so appreciative of, but it also will help me get closer to being able to write a book. And I will keep you like totally in the loop with how that process is going, but Thank you in advance for supporting this podcast and supporting my work. All right, enough of all of that. Let's get to this episode's letter. Dear Food, our relationship has been complicated since before I can remember. I've been overweight my entire life and you've always been the one I put the blame on. I was very young when I was told you were bad for me. I knew to stay away from carbs and sweets before I went to grade school. My mother lived for diet culture. Every month it was a new diet and I was always forced to participate. The diets never worked. I couldn't stay away from you. Although I knew I was overweight, I never wanted to admit it. I was ashamed of the word fat. After my dad passed away, our bond grew closer food. We were now best friends. You were there for the tears and you were there for the laughs. I used you as my crutch to get me out of a dark space. After a year, I realized that we needed a break. My clothes were tighter. I went up pant sizes and the pictures from Spring Fling made me want to be sick. I didn't want to be the fat girl anymore. At 16 years old, I just wanted to fit in. So I lost X amount of weight. I joined the dance team and the cheer squad. I was still overweight, but I felt good about myself and all my new friends I made. I managed to keep that weight off for two years until I graduated. 
That's when I started working and could start to feed. Did you know that every time you listen to an ad on this podcast, you help cover the cost of producing Find Your Food Voice? Thank you to our sponsor, Equilibria Daily Women's Microbiome Defense. Because of them, my team and I can continue our independent podcast. Equilibria is a women-owned wellness brand with unique science-backed products that help bring your mind and back my mind and body back into harmony. EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense is a three-in-one capsule that supports your digestive health and promotes gut barrier protection. It also promotes optimal vaginal pH. These probiotics were chosen because they are studied for women's health. And I love that you can subscribe. So if you find that Equilibria's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense helps you, you can subscribe so you don't have to think twice about running out and also save 25% off. I just started taking the Equilibria Daily Women's Microbiome Defense after a trip overseas that made my GI tract kind of funky. I am hoping that it helps make things just a little bit easier, easing back in. And also as a woman, as a woman in midlife, I'm always looking for ways to help with vaginal pH. If you are not in midlife yet, just be aware. It's a thing that is around the corner for you. So head to myeq.com and use code FOODVOICE for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and much more. That's myeq.com and use code FOODVOICE at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. All right, let's get back to the show. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly, but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Myself. I ate fast food every night after work. I loved it. I had never been able to experience this. As a child, I rarely got fast food because our family was always on a diet. I couldn't control myself. Sometimes I'd get fast food multiple times a day. Before I knew it, I had gained all the weight back. I managed to not gain any more weight for about four years. Then I married my husband, and my relationship with food went sour. I gained X amount of weight over the first year I was married. I remember hearing the doctor say my weight, and I almost fell to the floor. How could this happen? I've been overeating for years, and I never gained anything. I knew a change needed to happen, but how? I started dieting. I would spend hours planning meals and snacks for the week, but that grew tiresome fast. I figured I'd try keto. Everyone raves about how easy it is. It didn't matter what diet I did. I always managed to overeat to the point of being sick. I heard about intuitive eating from a friend at the gym, and she suggested I look into it. Once again, I find myself binging on unhealthy snacks. I've been desperately trying to rebuild a healthy relationship with food, but somehow I always find myself in the fridge eating until my stomach can't handle any more. I'm lost and confused. I'm frustrated and desperate to get control of my life again. Sincerely, desperate for help. Hey there, letter writer. Thank you so much for your note. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate this deep dive 
into your complicated relationship with food, and I cannot wait to just sift through it. So let's dive in. First and foremost, we need to discuss the O word that you use to describe your body. It's really, really important we start there. The O word you used, of course, was quote unquote, overweight. My favorite thing to say back, I've learned from other fat activists, and it's to say, over what? Seriously, over what? Because I wonder what your body really wants to weigh. For you, letter writer, and anyone listening who's been dieting your whole life, who really was violated, never really got to understand and connect and learn how to eat in a way that our body is designed to eat and allow your body to just settle where it wants to settle, well, what does your body want to weigh? If you didn't diet and you just ate in a way that, I don't know, kind of met with hunger and fullness, was satisfying, pleasurable, was sustainable, wasn't following any kind of restrictions, what what would your body weigh? Where would it settle? Our bodies change over time. They do. If we are lucky enough to grow to an older age, our body's going to gain weight until about our 70s. That's a good thing. It helps us to live longer when we are past the age of 70. It really is a normal thing. And it's not celebrated, but it should be because it's a sign of, hey, I'm living longer. And our bodies do change as we get older. So for you, letter writer, you have this kind of complicated experience with your body because your body was weight suppressed during puberty. And then as you moved away from dieting, your body was like, okay, like, oh, I can finally breathe. And you know, when we are drowning and gasping for air as we get to the surface of the water, we're not just going to breathe normally. We're going to take some really big, deep breaths in and out. And it's going to take a while. That's what happens when our body has been suppressed as we've been at a lower weight through dieting, restriction, starvation, whatever you want to call it. It's going to need time to heal and to repair. And that is, is, is evident when we are gaining weight. Like weight gain is repairing. Oh, I know that's so hard in our world. We live in a world that is so fat phobic and so fearful of the dichotomy of like, if I'm not staying small, then it's doom and gloom. And I know that makes it so hard, letter writer. I know it does. But I really do challenge that term overweight that you're using for your body because you really don't know what your body wants to weigh. As a food behavior expert, I get so fucking mad when I hear about people putting kids on diets for many reasons besides just that it's torture. But as a food behavior expert, I know that we need experience with food in order to be competent with food, in order to be able to feed ourselves as adults in a way that is sustainable and healthy for our body. We need to have experience, just like we need to have experience learning how to walk in order to run, or we need experience with learning addition and subtraction in order to do trigonometry. You know, you need to be able to learn some basics before you can take care of yourself. So when a child is put on a diet, and especially for their whole like upbringing, 
They're basically not given the exposure and experience with a wide variety of food. They are also taught that their body is not to be trusted, but yet this diet is, which is important to call out as really horrible because our research has for the last, I think, 15 or 20 years now, um, our weight science research has been able to show that there is no diet that exists that has a long-term success rate greater than 20%. So four out of five people at the best, at the best outcomes, are going to be able to maintain most of the weight lost. Um, and I say 20% is really, really a stretch. There's only been a few research studies showing that high of a percentage. Most of them are going to show 5 to 10%. And if you want to deep dive into this type of discussion into like the weight science, um, Fiona Willer out of Australia has a podcast on weight science and also Christy Harrison's new book called Anti-Diet. The first chapter goes really deep into that part and so does the, the second and third, third chapter as well. It's really important to be aware of this because we live in a world that is so um, focused on smaller is better and we must fear weight gain and that diets are the only answer. But if we are supposed to be so scared of weight gain, and if we must stay smaller, well, then the tool must be actually, quote unquote, working, you know, and by working, I don't mean it just makes weight come off. It means it makes weight stay off and promotes health. And I say physical and emotional health when I say health. So what we know with weight science is that we just don't have that option. And so basically for you, letter writer, as a child, you were taught to not trust hunger and fullness and instead rely on basically this number on a scale and a diet to lead you towards health. And that makes me so angry and so sad because we need to have that repetitive kind of exposure with food in order to just know how to treat ourselves as grownups. We need to learn that food is necessary it's pleasurable, it's soothing, it's reliable, and sometimes it's even just neutral. What you were taught, letter writer, and anyone listening who can relate to you, is that food in our bodies are meant to be feared, not trusted. And when we make decisions out of fear, well, we're not going to be really moving in a place of healing. And it's not going to get you anywhere. It's just going to keep you in that same circle, that never-ending hamster wheel kind of circle of dieting and binging and body hate. I know you want to get off this roller coaster. I know you do. You do sound like you're at diet rock bottom. And I think it's important to challenge that fear. It's going to be scary. And when you're ready, there's lots of resources here to help you move along. But you need to challenge things like the words overweight. And also, it's important to know that we're supposed to feel pleasure with food. That's a part of healthy eating. It's a really dynamic process when we eat. You know, the feelings of hunger and fullness and satisfaction. There are hundreds of hormones involved in this process. And pleasure is a part of that. Without pleasure, our body is not satisfied. And if our body is not satisfied, it's going to seek more food. That's just a part of how our body hormonally 
has evolved to be. I think it's fan, it's fantastic. It makes food fun and it is a part of healthy eating. And then pivoting a little bit, I'm so sorry to hear about your dad and his passing when you were so young. It's a hard experience anyway, but then as a youngster, that just is so hard. And I, I appreciate that food helps soothe you. And that is the power of food. It can really help soothe us in one bite. It's amazing how it can do that. And I'm grateful that food was there for you, that it did help soothe you. I wish you had more support. And you know, food was kind of that stand-in for the support that you were yearning for as you were grieving. I hope you have compassion for yourself and also a sense of like, wow, you know, I got through that really hard time instead of feeling ashamed of it. Certainly food is something that we as people have used to help with celebrations, with help with mourning. You know, think about going to a wedding and having birthday cake. Um, Every funeral I've been to has had lots and lots of food. And I don't think that's just an accident. I think it's part of tradition and ritual because it is soothing. And we always need to breathe. We always need to have regular sleep. And we always need to eat, even in times when things are hard. Moving on again, after you mentioned using food to soothe, you mentioned how your weight did change after a couple years. A little bit ago, I was describing some parts of weight science. And something that I think is really important to talk about is how your experience with your weight change and dieting is so normal. I mean, to the like year normal. So what we have found in weight science for most people, the first six months after starting a diet, there's rapid weight loss and towards a a maintenance phase. And around the one-year mark, is when the trajectory starts to increase, whether a person is still doing the diet or not. And for some people, they may find that they're able to maintain in a kind of a small range. But then at the two-year mark is where the weight science again points to that's when weight regain is starting to have a very um, quick trajectory back to what was the staple weight. And then for one-third to two-thirds of people, the weight Regain includes more weight than they even lost to begin with. And for you, letter writer, that's what you found. I know there was a little bit of space between the weight regain and then when you got married, but you know, eventually you kind of consistently met what science has already found. You were a really normal kind of subject if they were studying you. You were the rule more than the exception. Your body was being a successful human. So you may be wondering now, why are you binging? Why is this happening? Binging behavior is really complicated, especially because when a person is trying to move away from binging, they're not moving into a culture where most people are not practicing the behaviors that trigger the binge. We live in a world where diet culture is normal eating, and we know dieting predicts binge eating. It does for everybody. Um, I specialize in helping people with polycystic ovarian syndrome, also known as PCOS. We know that weight cycling and dieting predicts binging with you too. But yeah, overall, for just about everybody, research is finding that dieting predicts binging. And for you, letter writer, you've been dieting for so long, years, maybe even decades at this point. Maybe you've had times where you're not dieting, but the diet mentality 
is really in there. It's really running the show because of the fear and the distrust. And, you know, when you were going through adolescence, you missed out on some key experiences to help your relationship with food that I think that you've been doing over the last few years. What's really normal for kids and adolescents is to experiment, right? We experiment with our identity. We may dye our hair purple, get some extra tattoos or piercings. And for some people, like, yeah, that's me. And for other people, they're like, nah, that's not me. And we need to like experience these different identities and experience these different behaviors to figure out if they match who we're becoming. And food is just goes right along with that. I know for a lot of teenagers, it's normal to to like go to Taco Bell for lunch and then McDonald's for dinner because that's where their friends are and they want to eat all the really fun food and they may go get chips for snack and soda for their drinks and they may like experiment with all these different fun stuff because they have more freedom. And at some point, that's when we learn like, oh, when I eat just X, Y, Z, I don't feel physically that great, or I don't have a lot of energy, or I get a headache. Oh, let me see if I add this to it or eat it with this frequency or this amount, see how that feels. A lot of this for people who have not been violated by diet culture, a lot of this is just innate and it just happens without someone really thinking it in the conscious level. But for you, letter writer, you did not get that experience. You did not get that exposure. And I just noticed in your letter that you're just catching up. You know, you're just catching up. And then when you got married, I, I'm i hoping you felt more at home in your own skin. You found a partner that was someone that was accepting of you. I'm hoping that's what you experienced. And with acceptance comes, you know, just better connection. I know a lot of people think about that better connection and think of the weight gain as a bad thing. But again, you've been weight suppressed for so long that weight gain is a sign of health. Yes, weight gain is a sign of health for so many people. I know we don't hear that enough. So why are you binging, letter writer? I think it's because of the fear of weight gain. So diet culture and restricting, whether you're restricting literally or not, it's still in your head. And so even if we're eating an amount of food that our body needs, if our brain is still thinking of it as too much or it has a restrictive mindset as better, then there's still a scarcity type of mindset when it comes to food behavior. I also think binging is happening because there's not enough permission for pleasure with food. And I wonder in other areas too. I hope you're getting pleasure in other areas. So as you're moving forward and you're wondering why you're binging, I would experiment with that. And I also would say binging's happening because there isn't a trust. There's not a trust with your body. You asked, like, how can I get back in control of my life? And my counter kind of question to that is, what if the weight gain was your life in control? What if that's just how your body heals? What if that's how it needed to be all along? What if controlling your food was not controlling your life? I don't think as a food behavior expert that food is supposed to be controlled. We're not controlling our oxygen right now unless we're on like oxygen. We're not controlling it. We're just breathing. Our body's doing the rest. Food is supposed to be the same way. So moving forward and wrapping up, I would encourage you to 
question, do you want to continue to live your life distracted or do you want to live your life? You can always go back to the distraction. You can always go back to dieting. And I hope you choose to live your life. Of course, I appreciate choosing to live your life without dieting. There is a risk that your body will be larger. And there's a chance that it'll be in a body that you may experience marginalization. You may get more pressure to gain weight. I hope you can rally with us, those of us who are rejecting diets, especially this really tough time of year, you know, January of 2020. I know it's National Dieting Month. Oh, and just know that I am standing in solidarity with you, Letter Writer, and anybody who is doing that radical next step, living in the body that their body needs to be in. This body may be a larger body or a body that's marginalized in some way. And choosing the radical act of no longer choosing diets, oh my gosh, that is so important and such a health-promoting thing, but also very, very challenging. So just know I'm standing with you. All right. So I see Food Has Written Back. But before we get to Food's Letter, this episode of a Love Food podcast was brought to you by my PCOS and Food Peace course. Get to all the details at PCOSandFoodPeace.com. If you enjoyed this episode of the Love Food Podcast, I would love it if you left a rating or review, subscribe or share an episode. Doing any of these acts of kindness really helps the show grow. And I thank you in advance for doing anything like that because it will help more people get access to food peace and everyone deserves to feel at home in their own skin. All right. I look forward to seeing you next time. And until then, take care. Dear Desperate for Help, we wish we met on different terms. Could we have a do-over? Instead of learning that food is nourishing, pleasurable, and satisfying, you were taught that we cause harm, should be avoided, and less is better. You've been on this diet roller coaster for too long. The key to intuitive eating is to connect with these truths. You are not too much. You're allowed to take up more space. You are allowed to experience pleasure and more of it. And you can trust your body to take care of you, yet know it will not stay the same. You deserve to feel at home in your own skin, not just when there's less of you. You deserve satisfaction, pleasure, and soothing tools. They will give you fuel to live. Love, food. Thank you for listening. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and this is a Love Food Podcast. Do you want access to more food peace? Jump on over to my website and join my email list. There, I share exclusive content that I don't share anywhere else. Get access to these tips and strategies by going to juliedillonrd.com forward slash sign up. And I look forward to seeing you here next week for another episode of the Love Food Podcast. Take care.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.